Um, I got a one-off sermon for you today, and I got to tell you, this sermon has changed my plans for this week. It's messed me up this week. It's what I most desperately needed this week, and when I got to try to dig into the regular schedule of sermons, man, it just was like every move was frustrated, and God kept pointing me back to this passage, and uh, so this, is gonna be, this one's going to be close to my heart this morning, and uh, I'm praying that God has something for you in it, and uh, it's a one-off. And, and next week, we will start a six-week series called Abide, something really important, Abide, and it's uh, all based on this one chapter in John chapter 15 where Jesus talks about vines and branches and Jesus and what it means to actually abide in him. It's a powerful series, uh, one that I think will equal more joy in your life as you read it and understand and apply it to your lives. So I'm excited about that. It's also one that my father and I designed together, so it's kind of cool too. But today I got one, um, one to drop on you. I, don't, I just realized I didn't even title it. Who cares? We'll call it swept over. How about that? Let me pray and we'll get right, we'll get right into it. Dear God, we thank you so much uh, for your love for us and for the opportunity we have to gather together, celebrate with these families, and, and to, to, to participate alongside them in the dedication of their children to you. What an incredible, awesome thing um, for parents to do. This morning, we're going to jump in your word, and you know I need you. Can't do it without you. Don't want to do it without you. Need you to speak your words this morning, to draw the truth out of this passage, and to get me out of the way. We ask all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Swept over, and we're looking at a passage. It's a popular passage. You may have heard it before. You may have heard sermons on it before. I certainly have, which is why I fought preaching it so much this morning. But uh, we are going to look at Matthew chapter 8 as Jesus calms the storm in verse 23. Can I just read it to you quick before we jump into the actual sermon? I love when you all nod at me like, yeah, go ahead. It's good. I wonder what I would do if you all said, nah. I'll probably just read it anyway. <laughs> it says this, then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. I got some stuff like highlighted, not in this one, in the one I was studying in um, this week, and that's one of them. They followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over. That's where the title that I just literally came up with <laughs> two seconds ago comes from. Swept over. That's what knocked me off of my seat last week and had me weeping in my office, swept over. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. You ever felt like that? Has that ever been the prayer of your heart in a relationship, in a job, and your finances? Like, I'm drowning here. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And I'm about to jump into a sermon that rocked me this last week, that has challenged me to my core, 
and it's called Swept Over. And by the way, welcome Tremont. We're so glad that you're joining us right now, our other location. And also thank you for Dave and Jane. They crushed it this morning. We might not send them back. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We will. Begrudgingly. <laughs> but not until Scott gets done vacationing. Trouble. You ever have a friend that just always, you, you grew up maybe with the person and it seemed like they always had some exciting idea when you were hanging out. You were going to go do something fun. But then at some point on the journey with them, you got a little nervous. Like you realized that, oh man, like this is going to be, this is going to be, this could be trouble. You ever have a friend that it seemed like you, you, don't, you like them, they're your friend, right? They mean something to you, but you're doing something and always seems to like end in trouble. I remember one of my friends in Cresona found this. I was driving by the other day. I'm like, oh, that's where that house is built where we almost burned the entire town down. He stole one of his, one of his mom's lighters and we thought that was the coolest thing. So we went down to the bike track in the woods at the end of town and we got a couple twigs out and we pulled this lighter out and we were trying to light our little twig fire, you know, something little kids shouldn't be doing in the woods without adult supervision, having never started fires before. Thank the Lord we had never started fires before because we weren't very good at it. It just started to smoke a little bit, and then all of a sudden, randomly, like the sirens went off in town for the local fire, and we threw the lighter down and said, they're on to us. <laughs> and we ran home. We ran all the way home. I remember laying in bed that night, like thinking, should I be looking for smoke? What if we burned the whole woods down? Are we going to get arrested? You ever have a friend that always leads you to trouble? Some of us don't need friends that lead us to trouble because we are the friend who always finds it. Not me. I'm talking about you right now. It's not, not, part, of, not part of what I'm saying. You, you, you just find trouble on your own. Sometimes even when you think you're doing the right thing, trouble comes up. And then there's times where it doesn't matter what you're doing. You could be minding your own business, doing everything right, maybe even following Jesus and trouble still pops up, like it's unavoidable. If trouble is unavoidable, then I guess we should just do whatever we can to get in as much trouble as we want, right? <laughs> no, that's not a terrible idea. It's a terrible idea because trouble hurts. My daughter, she's a goalkeeper for her high school soccer team. Well, one of my daughters, my oldest, and Man, she, she, would, she got beat up last season, uh, patellar bruise and all kinds of like crazy injuries, nothing that would be season ending, but she played through a lot of pain. And one day after the game, I said, you know, goalkeeping, it, it hurts. Do you still love it? Like sometimes life, it just hurts. It's hard to love it when it hurts. It's not that you followed a friend into trouble. It's not that you're even causing trouble Yourself, it's just, it's just that it's sometimes unavoidable. Here in this passage, you have the disciples. They are doing what they should be doing. They're doing the right thing, the spiritual thing, the good. They're showing up to church this morning on a boat with Jesus. They're on mission. They're extending their lives out of the comfort of their known world. This is early on in the Gospel of Matthew. These fishermen have left everything to follow Jesus. 
And here they are, and I wonder how comfortable it felt as they stepped into a boat they were very familiar with. So many of them fishermen to cross the Sea of Galilee to do ministry on the other side, trying to do the right thing, and it still ends up in trouble. There's no exemption for those of you who have faith and have given your lives to Jesus. I, w- I wish there was. I wish there was an exemption that says, hey, guess you, you came to church, you're getting excited about God, you're even listening to worship music for the first time in your life. You have stopped when you hit the seek button on, does anybody even listen to radio anymore? The seek button on the radio is black. You, you stop on the actual Christian station listening. You can't believe it. Your parents w- would think you're crazy. Like they just don't understand what's happening to you. And, and it wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice if when, when you took those steps in faith, all of a the sudden there would be no more storms. The trouble would cease to exist. There's no exempt pass for people of faith who have given their lives to Jesus. The difference is in how we ride out the storms that we face. And I humbly, because sometimes I say this with humility, because sometimes I'm really good at riding out the storms with my faith driving me through it, and other times, more often than I'd like to admit, I'm a train wreck riding through the storms. So, so I'll say it like this. For people of faith, we have the opportunity to ride through the storms of life different. Without being overcome by the storm. Without the storm sinking our ship. These guys are following Jesus, they're doing everything right, and suddenly and furiously a storm whips up on the Sea of Galilee. What you need to know about the Sea of Galilee is it's like a toilet bowl. Have you ever heard me preach this before? That's how I often describe it. You have this low-lying low body of water, this huge lake, and then around, encircling it, you have these mountains, these hills. If you've ever been over there, you'll see that. If, you've, if you look up pictures, you can see in the, in the distance these mountains that surround the Sea of Galilee. What would happen is um, the winds would sweep down unexpectedly. Like the weathermen back then, they didn't have it locked down like they do today. Like, <laughs> why are you laughing at that? What if there was a weatherman in here? The winds would swirl up and they would come down these mountains cascading onto this low body of water and the, the temperature from, from the water, which was warm, to the tops of those hills, which is cooler, the cool air would come down and swirl upon, meeting each other, these currents of air, and would whip up storms in a fury. My, my wife and I will look at each other when things are going bad and we're struggling with life and we're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm just having one of those days and she'll look at me and be like, you circling the drain? And I'll be like, I'm, I'm circling. I'm circling the drain. I'm circling the drain. You circling the drain? Like the storm would whip up and it would create this like swirling weather effect and these squalls would come unexpectedly and suddenly and they could be terrifying and devastating. Sailors and fishermen and those that made their living on the ocean actually created a god to worship 
on the Sea of Galilee in fear of and in superstition of these storms that would erupt from the wind coming off the mountains. You have this situation, it's suspect at best. My kids would say it's sus. It is. The boat that they were riding in was 27 feet long. That's not big for boat. It's like less than three basketball hoops long. In the back of the boat, in the stern of the boat, it would have a little um, like cavern with a little door, like a, a, a dog-sized door maybe underneath it. The person who was steering and sitting on the rudder would sit on that stern, and they would store stuff underneath it, fishing equipment, nets, sandbags, all that kind of stuff. Um, they would sit on that stern, and that would be where he would steer from. What's so also interesting about these boats is they're 27 foot long, but they're pretty narrow, seven and a half feet wide. They've actually found one of these, an archaeological find you can actually look at, the remains of one of these boats. doesn't look like something you want to sail on. <laughs> it doesn't look like something I want to go on Sweet Arrow Lake on, let alone. <laughs> but then again, I'm not, I'm not a fan of low riding boats in the water. <laughs> So seven and a half feet wide, and the sides of it are only like four feet tall. That's not very tall. And they were low on purpose. They were low on purpose because their method of fishing was they would net fish. So they'd take these boats out. They would throw their nets out. And these fishermen, they would know where these fish are and know how to bait them. They, they would pull in heavy, heavy nets full of fish. So obviously they would want the boat to sit low so that when they're pulling up their fish, they could easily get it onto board, on, on board and um, bring in their, their haul of fish and make their livelihood off of that. It's suspect boat to be sailing on a storm, sailing on a, a body of water that can whip up such fast and crazy storms. What made this boat so effective also made it so vulnerable. I think, I think that's true of life, too. I've, I've been experiencing a bit of that. You have a big heart. It's, it's part of what makes you and your personality so beautiful, but it also hurts so much. Some of your best traits and what makes you successful in business are also probably some of the things you're most insecure about. Isn't it interesting how the things that often make us effective, also make us successful, also make us good friends, also make us good kids, also make us good parents, also make us good whatever, also make us vulnerable to hurt, to pain, to storms. These boats, they were suspect at best, but here the disciples are. They're preaching them. They're, 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 they're sailing them across. They're not preaching them. Across the ocean. I'm preaching them. And it says this, that the waves swept over the boat. Now, here's why I'm preaching this. I'm preaching this because when I read that language in Matthew chapter 8, it cut me deep because it's exactly how I feel. Like I'm being swept over. Wave after wave. And that the waves aren't just 
bogging down my boat and threatening to sink it, but that they're also sweeping stuff away. I see the, as I imagine the scene, I see like the gear floating off, you know what I mean? Like, you ever almost sink a kayak or a canoe or something? We used to dump canoes on purpose at this one camp I went to for canoe training. I haven't learned a thing about canoeing because every time Jen and I get in a canoe, all we do is spin in circles. That's how, it should be like a marriage test, canoe together, like premarital counseling. How, how far can you go? Like kids on the shore make fun of us. That's how good we are at, at canoeing. I yell back mean things, but it doesn't work. They know I can't get to them because I'm still spinning in circles. <laughs> You do that, you sink a boat, right? Like the waves come over, they take stuff with it. That's how I feel. Like I'm being swept over by grief some days, by anger, by loneliness, by disappointment. I, I know this is maybe not what you're hoping for this morning. I can't preach if I'm not gonna be transparent with you. Life has felt like that since October. Man, just, I still don't have my bearings. And it's from losing my dad, for those of you that don't know. And life feels like it just is one wave after another, after another, and it's sweeping away peace. It's like I see it floating out there. I want it so bad. But I don't know if I can get to it. The joy just sweeps, like, unexpectedly and suddenly. You ever experience storms like that? Where the waves of anxiety just seem never-ending? The waves of depression are just, you wake up and they're in your face? What, what's your, what do your waves look like? Swept, being swept over, sweeping away. Maybe that anger is sweeping over you and it's sweeping away your peace. Maybe your frustration is sweeping over you and it's sweeping away a relationship. Maybe, maybe anxiety is sweeping over you and it's stealing from you security. Maybe you're experiencing loss and the waves of that grief are sweeping over you and they're stealing away from you your sense of safety and security. Sometimes for even those who follow Jesus, the waves of life can sweep over us and threaten to sweep away all that we want to hold on to. And I felt like that. I've been feeling like that. But I can tell you this, that we ride the storm differently. Jesus here is sleeping, <laughs> and that should give us comfort. Usually in the but Jesus or the but God parts of the Bible, it comes with something really incredible, like uh, somebody was doing something, and God showed up, and then everything changed and got way better, and, and then Jesus did this, and everything was like, everybody's like, whoa, awesome, right? Like, that's so Pump me up, let's go, I can do it, I can make it. But here the disciples are feeling swept over, they're fearful for their lives, it's 
ebbing away with each wave as his boat, his, the vulnerabilities of it are being exploited and it's taking on water and they look to Jesus, their hope, and Jesus is asleep. Now I know at first look, this would make anybody say the things that I have cried out on some dark nights and maybe you have cried out too. Like, God, are you not paying attention? Don't you see I'm sinking here? I can't make it. I'm drowning. Are you even there? Do you even hear what I'm saying? Maybe you hear you just don't care. I know at first look when you see Jesus sleeping on a boat that's sinking, it may cause those kind of questions to rise up in your heart and soul like the disciples said, we're drowning. We're drowning. But Jesus sleeping in the stern, which, by the way, is right underneath the feet of the person steering the ship in that little cubby where they would store sandbags and other kinds of things to help with the nets and the fishing. He is sleeping in there. It should bring you comfort. Here's why. I got three things. This is what I'm hanging on to. It's probably the only reason I can preach this morning and the only reason I'm up here today. One Jesus sleeping shows the humanity of Jesus. Maybe you don't know why that's important. It's called the duality of Christ. Like He is fully human and fully God. It's an important theological part of what we all believe as Christians, that this was God Emmanuel among us, that God took on flesh and experienced everything we have experienced without fail and without sin, so that he could die on a cross on our behalf. The humanity of Jesus is really important, though, because he gets it. Here he is asleep in this little dog box of a cubby hole because he was tired. It's the humanity of Jesus. He understands everything you will go through and everything you have to go through. He understands what it's like to ride in a storm. He understands what it's like to be so exhausted you feel like you can't go on, like you could sleep in the middle of a storm in a cubby hole in a boat. Like he, he understands all of it, the humanity of Jesus. It should bring us comfort because Jesus gets you. He's not aloof to you. He's not disconnected from the reality of your life. He doesn't not understand your struggle. Your fear isn't foreign or alien to you. He sees it and he understands it. This Jesus is savior of the world. He understands you. He understands you. It should give us comfort because Jesus displays his humanity and he also displays his divinity. He stands up on the boat and he says, be still. <laughs> and the waves and the wind listen to him. How absolutely incredible and divine is that? Jesus sleeping on the boat should give us comfort because one, it demonstrates his humanity that he gets us and he understands us to our core. But he is not us. He is God. And the wind and the waves obey him. If you're going through some stuff, you can trust him. It's not out of his scope. It won't sink your ship if he's riding in it. 
the Savior of the world, God himself, loves you, is with you, and won't abandon you. Because we're running out of time, here's the third Here's the third reason why I think Jesus sleeping should give us comfort. This be, it's this. It's, boats with him in it don't sink. We ride the storm differently. Isaiah is this passage where Jesus is, or God is talking to the nation of Israel. And he says, you will walk through the waters, but they won't overtake you. you. You'll walk through the fires, but you will not be burned. Thus says the Lord, who loves you? I'm, I'm messing up the order, but it's in there. Trust me, you can look it up later and get the right order of it. Uh, it uh, the God who loves you, who has called you by name. You're going to get wet, but you're not going to drown. You're going to feel the heat, but you won't be consumed. We ride through the storms differently if Jesus is in your boat. Not all ships sink. I love that it's a fishing boat and that so many of the disciples have made their living and set their lives up, their, their livelihoods on these boats. They were, they were in them all the time, fish. They were very familiar with them. And to me, it kind of, you know, it's, Using some spiritual imagination here, it represents like ordinary life. These guys, this is what they lived on. When Jesus is in the boat, it's not going to sink. Is he in your boat? Have you invited him into your relationships? As these parents have demonstrated today, have you invited them into the lives of your kids or your parents? The people that you care about? Have you invited him to ride with you in your workplace? Where you spend your leisure time, where you have fun? The storms will sweep up and come at you unexpectedly and furiously and the waves can catch you off guard and off balance. It can even feel like you're gonna drown. But if you have invited him into your life, if you have been following him, even though following him sometimes ends you up in a storm, you're going to be okay. I know I'm going to be okay. Things may look different. May need to wring out my pants a couple times. That's a terrible illustration. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> that, that could like just go way in the wrong direction <laughs> but I'll be okay I'm not alone all the things that the waves make me feel aren't true because Jesus is with me I want to catch his vibe I want to have the ability to sleep in a storm. And to do that, I gotta know this Jesus. And I gotta experience his presence. That's why it's so good to be back in this space. He says where two or three are gathered there, so am I. We experience his presence through his Holy Spirit, which he gifts through us, through faith. And it's so amazing. And sometimes I get drugged down by life and I need spaces like this where I can get reacquainted with the presence of God in my life. I need to know this Jesus and I need to experience 
his peace and his presence in my life, if I'm going to catch his vibe while we ride through this storm together, and that's what I want. But I gotta invite him back in to all the areas and all the boats that I wanna jump into. Because we, as people of faith, we ride out the storm different, and it's gonna be okay. Let's pray. To God, we thank you so much. for your love for us demonstrated on a cross for us. We thank you so much for stories like this that you and your infinite wisdom share with us through your inspired word. I pray that we would be able to let go of some of the fear that's been controlling us. You know, not all fear is bad, but we let it run wild and it starts to, it starts to steer our ship. Would you help us to release our grip on some of that and to hold fast to our faith? For those of us that aren't in storms right now, we thank you for that peace. It's such an awesome part of life. But for those of us that are riding through storms right now, I pray that we would especially know your presence in these storms. In Jesus' name, amen.